Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We are in the final part of the series for sure. I, I thought it was only going to be three weeks, but this series, Can I Get a Witness, has actually gone to four weeks now because last week I, I realized when I asked that question, as I was asking it, I realized most of you wouldn't answer it very well, or at least the way that I would hope that you would. And the question was this, if I had somebody out in the, in the lobby that didn't know Jesus, and I came to you and I said, hey, listen, uh, John Doe is out in the lobby. I want you to go out there and I want you to lead him to Christ. I think he's ready. Or he's asking some questions. Can you go out there and lead him to Christ? That I got the overwhelming eye look. I mean, the, the look from you, you know, the look, the deer in the headlights look that, that made me realize that most people here would not be comfortable with going and talking to, to John Doe. They would say, well, pa pastor, can't you do that? You know, or hey, can 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 I go get your 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 wife? Can I can I you know can I take you know it's deer in the headlights? And can I tell you, you need to know not only how to invite people to church, but you need to know how to invite people to Christ. You need to know that. You need to know that. So I've chosen to do this in the middle of summer because uh, because this is really our core. This is our the, the core of our family, and um, and. I really just feel this is the perfect time to, to teach you how to win somebody to Christ or how to win the lost is how we would say it in Christianese, but how to point somebody to Jesus and actually lead them to a moment where they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the simplicity of the gospel, and I'm going to teach that to you this morning. And um, now if you pray really hard, the first service, we got out early. So if you pray really hard, we might get out early again, all right? So... Uh, the simplicity of the gospel. I want you to write just four words down at the top, and they need to be in order. The words are God, sin, Jesus, and faith. It's the simplicity of the gospel. The words are God, sin, Jesus, and faith. So if you are leading somebody into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the best method that I know of. God, sin, Jesus, Faith, And if you can just remember those four words in that order, it's going to be life-changing for you. It's going to be life-changing for you. So, and I'm going to share some past experiences that I've had, and I'm, I'm going to help you learn how to lead somebody to Jesus. Now, before going any further, I want you to know that if you get into a conversation in which somebody doesn't know Jesus... And, and you know that there's an opportunity there to lead them to Jesus. The Bible says that you are called to make the most of that opportunity. And it says it specifically like this as well. It says, always be ready to share the hope or the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Always be ready. You have to always be ready to share the facts about God, sin, Jesus, and faith. You always have to be ready. And if I don't equip you, then you won't be ready. So my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for works of service, the Bible says. To equip you to be ready to share your faith. And it's so simple. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you uh, the five, five ways or five things to remember 
when sharing your faith. The first one is not part of the, the, the God, sin, Jesus faith, but it's an important one. The first one is share your excitement. Okay. If somebody comes to you and they're asking questions, that should be very exciting for you. And what I found out, it's actually, it makes most people very nervous because they're not ready or they don't know how to share their faith. So it makes most people, it makes most people nervous, but we're fixing that today. I'm equipping you so you don't have to be nervous so that you know exactly what to do when these happen, when these things happen. And if you say, well, actually, Pastor, I, I don't really have those conversations. I don't really have those opportunities. Yes, you do. Uh, and I know that because, um, because, first of all, I trust that the Holy Spirit is creating opportunities. He's very good at his job. And if you say that, well, he just never puts anybody in my life that I need to talk to about these things. Can I tell you, I think you're wrong because you're, you're, what you're really saying is the Holy Spirit isn't doing his job. I'm ready to do mine, but the Holy Spirit isn't doing his. That's, let, let's, let us never say that or think that because the Holy Spirit is perfect in all of his ways. He is God. He is part of the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. He's perfect. And, and so what I've taught even my own children as they are going out and working at that whether it's Itamco, which is a factory, or whether it's Dairy Queen, that there are opportunities that they have even as young people because their coworkers will start talking about things like, well, I don't even think that there's a God. You know, or how do you know that there's a God? Or, well, I, I, you know, oh, so you're a Christian. You know, hey, welcome to the opportunity. You just, they just gave it to you. They just threw it at you. And so if they're talking about the things of God or why you're a Christian or why you believe the Bible or, or hey, why do you read that thing and you're, you're having your devotional time at work or you're, you bring it into the, the, to, the, to the break room with you, can I tell you something? That Those are opportunities, and you have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. What, what's happening is you just don't realize that they're Holy Spirit opportunities, that they're, that they're God-ordained opportunities. And so if my children can have them, two of which are still teenagers, and the other one who's barely not a teenager, if they can have those opportunities, I'm just guessing that you're having those opportunities too. That somebody is talking to you somewhere about the Bible or about God or about who you are as a Christian. And the first thing that I do is, because I know the word of God and I know the heart of God, this is easy for me, but it's first of all, I share my excitement. So again, if you're, not, if you're not excited about these moments, that means that you're not prepared for the moments and you need to prepare, which is what I'm doing for you right now. You need to know the, the word of God and you need to know the steps that it takes. So the first thing I do is I share my excitement. And I just gave you three examples that I just wrote down of phrases that I would, that I would likely use. And they're not exactly like this, but, but, but the heart is there. Hey, listen, I'm, a, I'm about to tell you the greatest news you've ever heard. If somebody's having a really bad day and I know that they don't know Jesus, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm about to tell you the greatest news that you'll ever hear in your life. And I'm telling you, it's been life-changing for me. Can I, can I tell you what that is? I've never had somebody say no. So, so the second one is, hey, let me tell you about one of the greatest things that God has ever done in my life. Let me tell you about one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. What is that? Oh man, let me tell you about Jesus. But, uh, here's another one. I'm so excited that I get to have this conversation with you. Th this past week, and they, in fact, I, I know that they'll be in church today. I don't know if they're, I'm, 
I don't know if they're at this service or at the, the third service. I didn't see them at the first service. But just this past week, I, had, I got to have a conversation with somebody who has not come to faith yet, but they're almost there. They're closer than they think. And I, I got to have a conversation. I went to their house, and I drank some coffee with them. And, I, I, and they, they can attest. I won't make them, obviously, if they're here right now. But they can attest that I'm, I use these same things because it's really true. It's really it's true. When somebody's asking me about the things of God, I'm so excited about that. <gasps> I get to talk to you about Jesus. I, I, get to help, I get to help you discover the joy of trusting Christ the Savior and, and watching your eternity be changed. Not just your day, not just your week or your month, but I get to see an eternal change in your life. How could I not be excited about that? So I'll tell them, hey, hey, listen, I am so excited. Sometimes they'll say, well, I'm sorry to take up some of your time with this. Are you kidding me? This is what I love. This is what I love to do. Are you kidding me? I love, I'm excited about this conversation that I get to have with you. So you got to set the stage. You got to set the stage and you need to be excited. If you, if you say, well, I'm, I'm really an introvert, you got to get past that. You got to get past that. Remember what we've been saying, you have to speak up. Nobody comes to Christ just because you're a good person. They come to Christ because they hear about the goodness of God and they hear about their sin and they hear about Jesus and they hear about what it means to be a person of faith. You have to speak up. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and he'll speak through you. I promise you that. So you got to trust him. So I just share my excitement. That's what I start with. The second thing is I describe the glory and the holiness of God. Now, normally, this doesn't take me very long at all, because in, in rural Indiana, as, as you and I live, we're not in the middle of the city. We're in rural Indiana. Do you know that most people in our neck of the woods, uh, they already have a belief in God, and most of them have some level of belief in Jesus, or at least know something about Jesus. Most of them do, Okay. So if they already have a belief in God, I don't have to convince them that God exists. Now, sometimes I have to do that, and I'll, I'll walk through some things with them. But I talk to people about the glory and the holiness of God. So I have some verses. Again, these are, I'm just giving these to you as ideas. You can do your own research, come up with your own verses that you like. But here's some that I really like. And I'm using all of these out of the New Living Translation. And I want to say this. I said it in the first service. I'll say it again now that I, I know there's so many different Bible uh, translations and paraphrases out there. And I know that if you're a mature Christian, you probably have your favorite. What I like to do is, is when, I'm, when I'm sharing my faith in Christ, pointing people to Jesus, I try to use a version of the Bible that's most easily understood. Or if somebody comes to faith in Jesus and they've never read the Bible before and they say, Pastor, I'd really like to have a Bible. I just don't know which one to get. I almost always point them to the New Living Translation because it's so simple to understand. It's so simple to understand. And, and there are some people that are really diehard. Well, it has to be King James Version only. Others are, well, it has to be the New International Version. And I know the difference between all of them. I know that some of them are are very much, you know, word-for-word -word translations. Other versions, like the, the New Living Translation, the NIV, those translations are translations, but they're thought-for-thought. Thought-for-thought, not exactly word-for-word. -word. And you say, well, I, I want the word-for-word. -word. Well, listen, if you give somebody the King James Version authorized 1611, they're not going to understand it. They're just not going to understand it. And you... And, and, and I can, I can go into a lot of things about that. I'm just telling you, if you just say, well, it has to be this version. Can I tell you, you've got to chill. 
You've, you've got to relax. You've got to relax. It, because if you point to somebody to John 3.16 in the NLT or the NIV or the King James, it's all saying the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the, the NLT just says it in a way that's more easy to understand. And then as they grow in their faith, they can choose some other study helps and some different Bibles that are word for word. Or they can buy a chronological you know, order Bible or something like that. I, that just comes as you mature. But can I just, just set the stage here and just say, hey, everybody, just relax when it comes to that. Just relax when it comes to that. If it's NIV, great. If you love that, great. That's, that's what I mostly use is the NIV. But I found out when I'm, when I'm uh, helping other people, especially new Christians, I just use the NLT a lot. So that's all I've used today is just the NLT. And so some of these verses, some of you are going to say, uh, I know that verse, but it's going to sound different than the version that you memorized because it's just a very easy to read version. Isaiah 40, verse 28 in the NLT. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. And no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Revelation 4.8, and this, this is about the very presence of God. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Isn't that kind of weird, huh? Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. We're talking about the glory and the holiness of God. Now, there's just a couple of verses that you can point people to. A lot of times, I don't even have to point them to verses like these and still talk about the holiness and the glory of God. So, so sometimes if people say, well, how do, you know, how do you know that God exists? And I tell them, I, said, I, I almost always say, well, you already believe in God. Well, how do you know? Because you believe in a, in a creator, like who created the earth? Who created the earth? Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So, so I'll, I'll point them to the fact of, let, let's say that, and, and, and again, I, I, just whatever the, the Lord gives me at the time, but oftentimes I'll say, listen, if you put a bunch of nothingness into a bag and shake that for millions and millions, in fact, billions and billions of years, are you going to open up the bag after millions of years and have a pocket watch come out that keeps perfect time? And everybody says, that's ludicrous. That's absolutely ludicrous. So is the Big Bang Theory. In fact, if I were to say, take a bag and shake it for billions of years with nothing in it, and then a pocket watch is going to come out, I'm going to ask you, where, does, where did the bag come from if nothing has, has existed? See, see, people who believe in the Big Bang, they believe that all of the universe came out of absolute nothingness. I don't know about you, but it, takes, it would take far more faith for me to believe in the Big Bang than it does for me to believe in God. It would take far more faith to believe that all of the universes that, and the solar systems that work to perfection and unity and orbit, you tell me, you're telling me that that came out of an explosion? When was the last time that you've seen a, a, an explosion that was absolutely chaotic create something in, that, that is in perfect time and perfect harmony and perfect unity? That, see, bangs don't end up with, with uh, perfection. It, they end up in chaos. And it's just easier for me to believe in a creator. I don't have enough faith to believe in the Big Bang Theory. And right then, 
almost every single person, 99% of the time says, yeah, you're right. I don't really believe in that either. Yeah, I, I taught that. I, I learned that in school. I remember them teaching. I don't really. I, so, okay, you believe there's a God. Yeah, I believe there's a God. Okay, so if there's a God, a creator, then the way that we know about this God, in fact, really one of the only ways we know about this God is the Bible. The Bible points us to God, points us to who he is, points us to his magnificence and his glory and his holiness. Well, how do I know the Bible is real? Well, that's a great question. Then I'll, I'll, I'll start answering that question. A lot of times, again, I'll keep it very, very simple. I'll say, so of all of the religions out of, out of the world, all the ones that you can think of, almost all of them, if not all of them, were started with just one person who had an idea. You, you look at uh, Islam. One person goes out in the wilderness, stays out there for a little while, says he has a vision, comes back, starts a religion called Islam. And all the Muslims believe that Muhammad had all of these, like he was, he was the prophet. That's just one dude. That's just one dude who said, oh yeah, I had these encounters with God. The same thing with Joseph Smith. The, the same thing with lo lots of other people that started religions around the world, like Buddhists, all come from the teachings of Buddha. One person, whereas the Bible, the Bible is filled with multiple authors over hundreds of years who all say the same thing about the same person, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus fulfilled every one of the prophecies written in the word of God, even though they were written by multiple authors over hundreds of years. So the Bible just wasn't written by one person. It was written by a lot of people. And Jesus fulfilled everything that was ever recorded about him. The Bible is very real. And again, because we live in rural communities, most people are going to say, yeah, yeah. It's not that I don't believe the Bible. Okay, well, let's talk about them. Let, let's talk about the Bible. And then I'll talk, I'll talk to them. So I'm, I'm telling them the holiness and the glory of God. And then the next one is, write this down. It's number three. Explain how sin separates us from that God. Explain how sin separates us from that God. So if I, if I say, boy, God is holy and God is magnificent and he's perfect. And then I look at them and say, and, and let me ask you this. Why would God allow you into heaven? And it's almost always the same answer. It's almost always the same answer. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, you are. You are. In fact, one time... Uh, this is before, this was many years ago, before we had a youth pastor. It, I, I was the pastor of everything. I was the music pastor, the youth pastor, the senior pastor. I was the bookkeeper. I was everything. I was the church secretary, everybody, and a good looking one at that. That's all I got to say. So that's totally a joke if you're new here. I'm just joking. Okay. So, uh, so I take these teenagers into, in, in, into a, you know, a, a youth event, and then we're having our devotional time, and I ask them, hey, how do you get to heaven? And one of the teenagers, literally, he, he put up his hands, and he did this. And I knew exactly what he was saying, and you already do too, but I asked him, he said, well, when your when you're good outweighs your bad? And I, I'd say, well, that, that's what most people think, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says these things. Let me show them to you. Hebrews 12, 14. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So we're not just talking about goodness now. We're actually talking about holiness. In fact, the Bible goes on to say, Isaiah 59, 2. 
that it's actually your sins that have cut you off from God. Your sins have cut you off from God. Even further, the Bible says that everybody sins. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so we're, I'm talking to them about sin. Have you ever sinned? Well, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. But, 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 I, but I have more good things in my life than, than I have bad things in my life. Well, that's not the question. Let, let me show you what I mean. Isaiah 64, verse 6. We were all infected and impure with sin. And when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. So I, I'll tell them that, that our version of righteousness is like filthy rags to God. So, so here's how I explain it. Hey, but you know something? This is what the Bible says. On your very best day, on your very best day, when you don't sin, when you don't make any mistakes, in fact, you lived that day and you served others on your very best day, your righteousness, your good works is considered as filthy rags compared to the holiness of God. That your very best day does not qualify you to get into heaven. Your very best day. And all of a sudden, oh, I, I didn't know that. Well, that's what the Bible says, that we all sin, we all fall short. And by the way, and, then, and that's when I connect with them on a relational level. I say, by the way, I, I sin too, and I, I don't like it, but I do. Because I'm a sinner too, and I, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So then I tell them about Jesus. And as I start telling them about Jesus, typically this is when it comes up, but, but Pastor, I've... I've been a sinner for a really long time. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the things that I've done. I've heard that so many times. You wouldn't believe what I've done. And I look at him in the eyes and say, well, you wouldn't believe what I've done. Well, you don't want to know about what I've done. You don't want to know what I, about what I've done. Because see, you as not being a follower of Christ, you sinned. And I don't know about anybody else in this room. But I sinned after I was a follower of Christ. Even when I knew better, I still sinned. Anybody else like me in the room? You all better get your hands up. Because we all sin and fall. See, see to, so to an extent, I tell people, I say, this is what's so interesting. That your sin actually qualifies you for the grace of God. That he came to save Sinners, that's why Jesus came into the world. And then I'll share with them some, some verses of scriptures as I, number four, tell them about Jesus. So I start telling them about Jesus. I tell them about the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. And I use verses like this, Romans 6.23, part of the Roman road. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's just a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to achieve it. You just receive it. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And, and I might take him to 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. And I'll tell him, he actually didn't come for me because he knew I was going to be a pastor. He came for us because he knew we were both going to be sinners. He knew it. And he still came. He knew that our holiness wouldn't add up, that our good works isn't ever good enough compared to the holiness of God. That's why Jesus came. And I'll take him to Romans. Again, part of the Roman road here. That when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Or, or I'll tell them Romans 5.8, but God showed, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I'll tell them he did this because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jesus, in his perfection, he bore all of our sins on the cross so that whoever would just believe in him would experience life and life in Christ and be secured throughout all of eternity. So what, what I've learned, in, in that, and I tell them this, what I've learned is that I don't trust in my good works to save me. I trust in the work of Jesus Christ to save me. That's what the gospel is. That's what the Bible says. Now, most of them already believe in the Bible. So once I explain to them, this is what the Bible says, most of them say, oh, okay. Well, yeah, but still, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what anybody else has done. I promise you this, we're all in need of a Savior. And your sin actually qualifies you for salvation. And here we think that sin disqualifies us. But the very reason Jesus came <laughs> was because of your sin. And it actually qualifies you for the grace and the mercy of God. And the whole time I'm talking to them, I'm just keeping a smile on my face. I'm encouraging them. I'm not condemning them. I'm not shouting at them. I'm not preaching fire and brims. You're going to go to hell if you don't. I, listen to everybody. Is, can I tell you something that, that, I love, you have to be very relational with people. The Bible says it's, it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. Your, your anger will not create a, the heart of somebody, in the heart of somebody to come to repentance, to, to come to salvation in Christ. There, the odds of them accepting Christ in your anger, I, I've, I've never seen that work, or I've seen it very short-lived, where people get so scared they run to God and then and it's just a get out of hell free card at that point. Can I, can I tell you something? It's the kindness of God that brings people to true repentance. It's the kindness of God. And so I, I'm sharing hope with them. I'm sharing faith with them. And I'm, I'm letting them know that they're not too far gone. And, and I even prove that need more. In fact, this is the last one. I just clarify the need for faith in Jesus and not of ourselves. I just clarify the need for faith. Hey, it's not about your works. It's not about your good deeds. It's actually not about what you do. It's actually about what you believe. That's what the Bible says. And it's that simple. And then I prove it to them in the Bible. Ephesians 2.8 and 2.9. I, I love this. Some of my favorite verses. God saved you by his grace when you didn't work for it, when you just believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's just a gift from God. See, salvation is not a reward 
for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. It's just because you believed that you're saved by grace, but you have to have faith in Christ. And usually I'll tell them, okay, so this is what I've learned, that Justin doesn't have the ability to save Justin. I can't save myself. The Bible never says I can. And deep in my heart, I know I can't. And I know I'm a sinner that's in need of a savior. And I know his name is Jesus. And, and I'll take him to John 3.16. Again, most of you haven't memorized it like this, but out of the NLT, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son that everyone, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Who, who is that? Everyone. And I'll point out the everyone. And I'll do this in a number of ways. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who, who will be saved? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let, let me say it like this. That, and if you can put your notes away very quickly, if you don't mind doing that, because we're going to have just a quiet time here. Another one of my favorite verses is John 6, 37. And it says, it's Jesus speaking, and I've, you've shared this before, I've shared this with you before, it's Jesus speaking, he says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, Jesus says, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, if you've been attending New Song for any, any length of time, we almost always close the service giving people a chance to place their trust in, in Jesus as Savior. It's very rare that we have a service in which we don't offer that. And I bring up those verses a lot, and you're going to hear those verses a lot, that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus says, if you come to me, I will never drive you away. I'll never reject you, John 6, 37. I'll never reject you. Meaning every single person in this room who's listening online, that we are qualified for salvation because of our sin. And the Bible says if we... If we believe in Jesus, if we put our faith in Jesus, that we are, the Bible words it like this, we are saved or we are born again. And we're saved from a very real hell and a very final hell. And we get to spend eternity in a very real and very final heaven. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. God, sin, Jesus, faith. Now, I just took about 20 minutes to explain that. I can normally do that in just three or four minutes. It doesn't take me very long. Because if people are asking the question, here, here's what you need to know. If they're already asking the question, the Holy Spirit is already stirring in them the need for Christ. And usually they're ready to receive. They're ready to receive. So I tell people, sometimes if you say, uh, hey, are, are you ready? Well, I, I remembered something that my father taught many, many years ago. Um, when I was a teenager, he, he did this series for our church. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, one of those things. It's always stood out to me, maybe because I have the gift of evangelism. I just love winning people to Jesus. And my father was teaching the, 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 the church that he was pastoring. 
And he taught him the, the seven life-changing words. The seven life-changing words are, and I know you're going to count them in your head, so I'm going to do it with you, okay? Would you like to pray right now? Would you like to pray right now? Seven life-changing words. Would you like to pray right now? And he used this illustration that morning, and again, I'll never forget it. He used this illustration. He said, you know, the Bible says that we are called as Christians to be fishers of men. That, that, that we go out and we win as many people to Christ as we possibly can. Lead as many people to Christ as we possibly can. And so you have Christians out there that are casting the net. They're sharing their faith in Jesus. They're casting the net. They're fishing. But they don't draw the net. It's like if you're going fishing and you have great bait and you have a great fishing line, a great reel, and you throw it out there and a, and, and a, a, a fish is on the line, what good is it if you don't actually reel the fish in? And how do you reel the fish in? Seven life-changing words. Would you like to pray right now? Would you like to? It's just drawing the net. And here's what, here's what I tell people. It's not actually, did you know, If you were here the last few weeks, you know this. There's no such thing in the Bible as the sinner's prayer. It doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. Did you know that? That the Bible says we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we are saved. So I I was sharing Christ with somebody just this past week and we're sitting around their their table and I'm drinking a cup of coffee with them. Again, they're either here now or they will be in the second service. They've been coming for a while. And I tell them, you know what? It's not really a prayer that you pray. It's, it's, it's a matter of the heart. And now, a prayer will secure that moment. And it's good to pray a prayer. But the Bible says that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And so, if you get to that point and you realize, Jesus, I've come to my senses. I, I realize now that you really are Lord. That you're the Savior of the world. I said, then you need to go to your spouse or, or call me or go to somebody and you need to confess that. You know what? I've come to my senses. I realize Jesus is Lord and I'm trusting him as my savior. And the Bible says at that moment, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You are saved. You are born again. You're born again. It's And it's good to pray. And we do that here because it secures that in their heart. In fact, the Bible says that we confess our sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us. So it's very appropriate to pray. But there's no magical word formula that creates salvation in you. It is a matter of belief. Trusting in Christ in the deepest part of you. Where you say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, I know that you're the Savior of the world. Therefore, I put my trust in you. Jesus, be my Savior. I choose you. And the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that great news? That's the gospel. It's so easy. It's so easy. God, sin, Jesus, faith. Just those four things. And you can point people to Jesus too. Don't live your life just inviting people to church. Live your life inviting people to Christ. Because we all have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's stand up together. Now, 
without anybody moving around, even if you're part of a dream team, just stay right where you are. This is a very um, important moment because I fully understand that there could be some people in this room that as I've actually taught the church family, those who already believe how to, how to point people to Jesus, that you may be sitting here today and thinking, I haven't actually trusted in Christ myself. Well, good news. Today's your day. Today is your day. And I'm gonna invite you to place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's a matter of the heart, but we're gonna secure that moment. We're, it's like putting a marker in the ground that says, you know what? It was August 7th, 2022, in which I really, I placed my trust in Jesus. And it's just a marker in the, in the ground, you could say. A, a moment that you can go back to and say, no, I remember the day that I trusted Christ. And you confessed your need for a Savior. With, with nobody looking around, just bow your heads with me just for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. In fact, I've already told you about the Fresh Start book that you can pick up after church. That's all, the thing, that's all that we would ask you to do. But if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, and, and today you realize that God is holy, that you are not, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, but you realize Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's God's gift to mankind so that anybody who would trust in him would have everlasting life, like John 3.16 says. If you've never put your faith in Jesus and you're ready to do that today, I want you to raise your hand really high and let me see who you are. Do it right now. Go ahead. Yep, I see your hands. Lots of hands. Okay, you put your hands down. At least six hands that I saw. And now, we're just going to secure it right here, right now. And actually, what I want to do is everybody in this room, I want you to pray this very short prayer out loud with me. Everybody in the room. We're going to help those who raise their hands. We're going to help them be comfortable in this moment as they make this decision. Ready? Let's just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross, for your resurrection, and the gift of eternal life. Today I trust you as my Savior. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's that easy. Can we give it up for those who accepted the Lord today? How exciting is that? So excited for you. Again, I can't wait to meet you. Be sure to introduce yourself to me after, after church. I'll be in the lobby if you'd like to. Get this book, Fresh Start. At some point, you need to get baptized. We'll talk about that down the road. But today is a day of celebration, and I rejoice with you, and we all rejoice together. New song, I love you more than you could ever imagine. God bless you guys. Have a great week. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.